Welcome to the Develop Yourself podcast, where we teach you everything you need to land your first job as a software developer by developing yourself, your skills, your network, your habits, and more. Today, our guest is Pete Codes. Pete is the founder of the website nocsdegree.com, which tells the stories of people who have broken into the tech industry without their traditional credentials, so mostly bootcamp or self-taught folks. Pete has several other projects he's currently working on, including a paid community and several courses. In this conversation, Pete and I get into common characteristics he's noticed among people who have successfully transitioned to tech, how he handles personal productivity with so many projects, and how he thinks about his vision for the future of the No CS Degree brand, among many other things. This was a lot of fun. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Pete Coates. All right, Pete, welcome to the Develop Yourself podcast. Oh, thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for taking the time. You and I have been part of a lot of similar online communities, some of the same online communities for a while, and hang out similar corners of Twitter. So I'm pretty familiar with you. But for anybody listening who might not be familiar with you and your story, can you introduce yourself and just tell a little bit about what you do? Yeah, sure. So I'm based in Edinburgh in Scotland in the UK. And basically, for almost about three years, I've been running this website myself called nocsdegree.com. And basically, it's full of inspiring interviews for showing people that you can get a job or start a business without a computer science degree. You can learn either yourself through online courses, or you can go to like, you know, a boot camp. And it's just basically showing people that, you know, there's very uh, lots of new pathways to getting like a really good career. And also I filled that website out a bit more um, over the years. So there's now a job board. So someone emailed me over the weekend, say that they just got their first job in tech because they found out my job board. So that's really cool. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's basically an OCS degree in a nutshell. And I also do a bunch of other things like I've got a community for founders called High Signal. And I've got a few products out about growing newsletters, which is kind of my forte in the kind of online space. Yeah, that's awesome. I think No CS Degree, I know for me, has been really helpful. It's been fun to see just the approaches that other people have taken. And I imagine it's going to be very impactful for our audience because that's where most people are that listen to this, or at least so we think, kind of trying to make that transition between not coding to becoming an engineer or maybe early career. So definitely want to get into all of that. Before we do, though, I'm curious if you could just give us a quick rundown of all the other kind of products and and activities you have going on. So you mentioned High Signal. Uh, Can you tell us about some of your newsletter products maybe or or other things that you spend time on? Yeah, yeah, happy to. Um, I'll try and remember them all. (laughs) Um, I've got so HighSignal.io is basically a community for founders. Um, basically, I find myself like a lot of people during, well, the ongoing COVID situation, you know, kind of like working from home. I don't have colleagues because uh, I'm a solo founder and you do get pretty isolated pretty quickly. So I was kind of wanting to have a way to kind of chat and, you know, go over problems and talk talk the talk with other founders in a kind of like one like meaningful uh, way. So we do like weekly Zooms. And we've also got a Telegram group for kind of, you know, quick questions that someone has. And it's a really good cross-section. We've got like, you know, 
developers on there. We've got SEO experts. We've got like YouTubers. So it's a really cool bunch of founders. Um, I've got another project, which is um, remote companies. Uh, and that's basically a directory of the best remote companies to work for. I'm kind of in the process of selling that, though, because I want to like focus a bit more on NoCS degree. And I've got two courses, which are monetizeyournewsletter.com and growyournewsletter.com. And they're both kind of like hour and a half video courses on growing and monetizing your email list, respectively. And basically goes through lots of the kind of tips that I found helpful as a bootstrapped entrepreneur, you know, growing a newsletter to thousands of developers. Uh, without you know expensive things like ads basically and yeah i guess i think only one other thing is on the high signal website i also have a newsletter for founders and it's kind of um founders that uh tech crunch won't cover <laughs> so it's kind of like you know stories of people getting to six or seven figures and obviously tech crunch are kind of like unless you've raised capital they're pretty unlikely to cover you so yeah, a few different products across the kind of uh, coding and like bootstrap foundry space. Got it. Yeah, it's quite a bit going on. Uh, all pretty interesting stuff. Didn't you also have kind of a Indie Hackers Digest of just cool products you'd seen or something like that? Or am I getting that wrong? Um, yeah, um, doesn't ring a bell, but... Um, yeah, I might have made something like that in the past. Uh, but no, I, no, I don't think so. I think like um, basically, I mean, the in a way that the newsletter kind of functions like that for high signal. So I'll send like a digest of what people are working on and, you know, funny tweets and things like this person just got to 10K monthly recurring revenue and things like that. So it's kind of like a digest of what people are working on. Um, so yeah, it might be that you're thinking of. Got it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm curious, just selfishly, I'm kind of in a similar boat newly to you in the sense that I'm trying to make a go of this whole indie hacker self-employed thing. I'm curious how you manage your time. That's quite a few different things going on. Do you have a system for structuring your calendar or do you kind of just do whatever you happen to be most interested in, in any given day? Like, how do you think about that? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Um, well, basically, I should say that, you know, I am wanting to, because I've got a lot of products on the go, I'm trying to, like, streamline a bit. Um, I am, like, I just put Remote Companies website up on MicroAcquire, and I've had some interest, you know, privately from other people. So I would say that, you know, there's a lot of talk, I guess, in the last year or so about, you know, a portfolio of, tiny bits and i think mm -hmm. it's good to do that if you don't have traction in something but once something does have traction like no cs degree does it probably better to focus on you know one thing and i think i guess as well the problem with having too many things is you get really used to like starting things but not really growing things so it's kind of like you're always chasing the dopamine rush of like the next like oh i get to launch this new thing and new shiny yeah. object so but yeah, in terms of like how I organize myself, I guess um, firstly, I always try to do like the hardest or thing I least want to do on my to-do list first in the day. 
Um, mm-hmm. A lot of marketers call that um, eating the frog. Um, yeah. I just think it, yeah, hardest thing first is what I call it. Um, nice and simple. And yeah, that's, that's been really good uh, because it just means, you know, realistically at 4.30 in the afternoon, are you going to do that thing that you don't want to do? Probably not. But right. you know, when you're fresh in the morning, you just had a coffee or whatever, you can do that. Um, apart from that, um, I've tried a few different methods, but I think one of the best things I would do is like block out, say, like an hour of time and, you know, no phones, no social media, turn all that stuff off and just, you know, work for an hour and then, you know, have a break or something. And then so I try to I think I think that's really like powerful because you like if you have your phone on while you're trying to work or whatever, it's just a bit of a nightmare, really. Um, yeah. And yeah, apart from that, that's the main things I'd say, like cut down distractions, do the hardest thing first. And I would say probably as well, batching time is nice. Like I'll try, I try my best to do like all my newsletters on one day. And then like, you know, I might have like other days where I just do sales and that way you're really getting into rhythm into a flow instead of like you know chopping and changing like five different kind of modes you're in right so sounds like you kind of just have like one day for each kind of thing so you're not context switching which is a really cool idea i've thought about doing something similar your head can kind of be in the same space all day um so that's pretty interesting i'm curious so transitioning a little bit to no cs degree so um this podcast like i said is largely geared towards people who are kind of towards that beginning phase and not just learning code to become a software engineer, but considering your whole person and the parts of yourself that you need to develop, like your mindset, your habits, your network. So like all the things that you need in addition to learning to code, you've done a ton of interviews with people that have made this transition. So I'm curious if there are common traits and the people who have done this successfully that you've noticed through all the interviews that you've done on no CS degree? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think really just having, um, I guess everyone that I've interviewed has really just had a, you know, a growth mindset. They've not seen themselves as like, you know, oh, well, I just work in, because basically like to give some context, I've had a lot of dramatic career changes on the website. People have been, you know, working as a waitress, now they're a developer, or, you know, working in the army, or, you know, selling beer, or, you know, loads, any any kind of job you could think of, um, you know, blue collar, white collar, but nothing to do with coding, basically. Um, I think really the keys, the key mindset has just been having a growth mindset, where you kind of see yourself as, you know, a work in progress, and you're like, I'm not a developer yet, but I can be. And mm-hmm. that's, I mean, that's, it can be a hard thing to do because you, if you are stuck in, you know, debt or you're working a not so great job, um, that can be hard, but it's really worth nurturing because if you see yourself in the fixed mindset, you know, it's hard to improve at things. Whereas if you have a growth mindset and you think, well, I'm not at that point now, but I can work on it. So I guess that's basically also an integral thing to know CS3 in general as the whole project is you know even if you there's lots of people on my on my site you know dropped out of high school and then but they just learned to code later in life in their 30s or even in their 50s sometimes 
So yeah, I'd say having a having a growth mindset and being believing that it's possible to learn new things is very important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think ironically, it's kind of a virtuous circle type of deal because at least in my experience, I know learning to code has reinforced the idea that it's possible to learn anything because so much of it is just having to learn how to learn, figure stuff out on your own and teach yourself stuff. So that's one of the bigger things I end up telling people is that this is kind of a gateway to like, it's essentially a meta skill. It's a gateway to like learning anything you want to learn because the nature of it is such that you're having to teach yourself a lot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, And yeah, I should say as well that there's um, a really good book, which I don't think it gets enough credit in, or maybe it's not read enough in tech circles, but um, Mindset by Dr. Carol Dweck um, Mm. is like amazing because she basically goes through these examples where, you know, um, you know, there's a high school in Seattle, which was like, I think it was like, you know, the most deprived area and the teachers there were trained on you know having a growth mindset and they taught you know the students you know okay you know haven't figured out this problem yet but you know i'll get there and the kids were soon beating you know the schools where the microsoft parents sell send their kids so um yeah that's a really good book and i think you can obviously apply it to lots of things like you know fitness or you know yeah other hobbies apart from coding so it's definitely a whole like um yeah kind of like broad thing broad mindset yeah definitely very inspiring i always mean to uh read mindset but i guess i'm familiar enough with the concepts now yeah maybe i won't get around (laughs) to it (laughs) we'll see uh definitely very uh you notice that among people that succeed coding is that and the people that do the best treat it as kind of an adventure, uh, treat it as something where they're expressing curiosity. I know for myself, a lot of my experience was trying to check boxes, doing projects just so that I could have a portfolio so that I could get a job. And I found that to be actually a pretty hurtful mindset because it's kind of outcome-based rather than enjoying the process, treating learning as something fun and enjoyable and believing you can kind of grow and acquire these skills. So definitely resonates with me. I'm curious, you mentioned on no CS degree, there's lots of dramatic stories of kind of career turnarounds. I'm curious if you have maybe not a favorite one or two because don't want to make you play favorites, but when you think about those, the top one or two examples that come to mind of a kind of stunning transformation from people having learned how to code. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good question. I think, um, a really good example would be um, Taylor Alexis, who is a developer from the States. And she did she did go to college, I believe, as for, you know, uh, kind of like BA in arts or some kind of, you know, social science degree. I uh, wasn't finding it, you know, easy to get a kind of a graduate or a kind of corporate job. And she was working as a waitress in, you know, a, a restaurant. And she would, uh, she just did like a Udemy course and was really just working like nights and weekends on that whilst doing her full time job. And, you know, I've worked in hospitality, you know, in the past as a student. And yeah, it's really demanding. Like you're on your, on your feet all day, 
customers aren't always the best people. So to do that, like, you know, for, I don't know, 40, 50 hours a week, and then at night just be like, okay, I'm going to, like, learn JavaScript. You know, yeah. I think that's pretty cool. And she's doing really well in her career. So she's become a, yeah, obviously she's become a developer now. So that's great. And, yeah, I guess as well, one of my favorites as well would be this guy, Ben Ford, who was in the Royal Marines uh, in the, you know, UK Armed Forces. And he uh, got into programming whilst on, a, you know, a battleship of some kind, yeah. sailing around the world. And he had a computer, you know, really beat up, you know, laptop that he managed to beg off someone. And he just had, he ordered like a book, uh, you know, I don't know how on earth it got to him, but he ordered a book on like how to learn Python. He didn't have any internet. So, he, you know, way, you know, can't go on Stack Overflow, can't go yeah. on, you know, pretty cool camp task for questions and just like learn to code that way. And yeah, he's also, he's in the UK, but he's like left left the military and like got straight into working as a software developer so yeah you can really go there's other people as well that you know caitlin uh was i think caitlin grafley was working in yeah corporate beer sales so i guess working for a big brewery doing like loads of sales and she kind of just managed to i think she managed to like fit it around her job and she actually went to a, like a boot camp but i think it was like a part-time one and yeah, now she's a developer for oh, escaped me. They're like a really big, like um, yeah, like a big financial website in the US. I'll Got remember it. after this podcast. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, it's one of the not Morning Brew, but one of those like big. It's a big, yeah, it's a big company. So um, yeah, there's really like loads of people that have come from like you know, left school without any grades or just, you know, went to college for a completely different degree, maybe did, you know, sociology or philosophy or psychology and then have, like, flipped things around. And the great thing is a lot of people, you know, you can also learn to code, like, relatively quickly. You know, if you go to a boot camp, it'll be about, you know, six months maybe or if you're learning on your own and you mm-hmm. really dedicate, you can spend a year. And, you know, especially in the U.S., you get really great outcomes where people are, you know, people can be on six-figure salaries within a few years of learning to code, which is, you know, yeah. it's pretty incredible given, you know, the cost of living situation uh, for people nowadays. Yeah, it's really incredible and super impactful to read those stories for several reasons. I think, number one, I don't know if you've heard this phrase, before you can be it, you need to see it or something like that. It's kind of shows you the way, right? It shows you what's possible. And it's hard to believe things are possible unless you've seen somebody else do what you're trying to do. And so I think the stories are really helpful in that regard. And secondly, you can pull tactics from these stories and try things that other people have tried that worked for them. And you have all these stories to pick from. I know for myself, even now, so starting kind of the freelance route, which is one of the things I'm doing to kind of bring in some income. I have on my list to go back through an OCS degree for the freelancers and just try and figure out like, how did they get their first client? And so it's just so helpful to have prior examples of what people have done already. 
Oh, thanks a lot. Yeah, no, that's it's really good. It's really good to hear that. And yeah, there's I'm not sure exactly how many there are, but there's definitely like over 150 stories. Um, a lot of diversity on there. A lot of people that have gone through different paths. Some people have, uh, you know, gone into kind of you know corporate software development. Some people are doing you know freelancers don't want to have a boss. Other people are making you know startups that are doing really well. So. Yeah, there's a lot, load of different outcomes that you can get from learned code, whether it's, uh, you know, you want to go for a nine to five and, you know, that's totally fine. If you want to make your own app and your own startup or freelance, then yeah, there's loads of options. Yeah, it's one of the coolest things I think is having these skills just unlock so many other things beyond just having a nine to five. Like you said, building apps, building your own products, freelancing. Um, kind of whatever it's meta learning as well so uh yeah i'm still fired up on it you know five years in uh, which is all very exciting i wanted to transition a little bit so i heard you on a few different podcasts and it seems like inevitably in every interview sales comes up uh, and it seems like you have figured out some things that work so i'm curious initially just to start talking about mindset a little bit what do you think someone has to work on internally in themselves first before they gain any kind of traction doing sales? Um, yeah, thank you. That's a really good question. Um, I think um, just not really, mm, I don't know. Uh, I think firstly, not really caring too much about the outcome, which sounds like illogical. But I think, uh, I guess my kind of mental model is, for, and this goes for lots of things in life, is like, I hope this works out, but if it doesn't, it's okay. Whereas mm -hmm. I think if you go into like a sales call or even like a podcast recording uh, or any kind of like, you know, public speaking, for instance, and if you go into this being like bundle of nerves, being like, oh, got to do this right, or it's, you know, a disaster. Um, you're probably not going to be very relaxed and you're probably not going to do a very good pitch or sales or whatever. So yeah, I generally go for it. Like the thing that, yeah, I basically go for the kind of approach of like, I hope it works out. I'll do my best. But if it doesn't, it's not the end of the world because it rarely is. Um, but I think for sales as well, I mean, sales is really just you're convincing someone to do something. So you can kind of like, practice <laughs> you can practice with your friends or your partner or whatever you can be like you know if your buddies are wanting to go to like a restaurant you can and everyone's going on one you can be like well you know this indian just opened up it's got great views my friend just went there it's really close so let's go there and you know you can you can practice kind of sales you don't have to be you know pitching to you know vcs or doing million dollar sales or something to practice sales. You can just be like everyday things. And I think just also as well, just getting out of your comfort zone, little things like, you know, um, I don't know, sometimes if I go in a, like, I guess one example is some, like recently I was in a cafe and I had like one shot of coffee um, or that's why I ordered. And I was just like, oh, can I get a discount? Because it's only one shot, which kind of like makes sense to me. And yeah. the cafe person, the barista was like, well, no, you can't. Sorry. And I was like, oh, that's fine. But yeah. just kind of 
chancing your arm a little bit, like putting yourself maybe like going a little bit further than other people will. And that means the next time I'm on a call with someone and we're negotiating, it doesn't seem strange for me to be like, oh, well, can we go a little higher? Because, you know, I've kind of practiced that muscle by, you know, (laughs) saying that thing to the barista maybe. Yeah, it seems like a lot of it comes down to a willingness to sit in a little bit of discomfort. And so it totally makes sense to me that asking the barista for 10% off or whatever is just a way of like habituating yourself to, like you said, putting yourself out there and also just like living in that tension for a second. Because I think in any negotiation, there are those moments of tension. And if you're not used to it, it's very tempting to just do whatever you need to do to release the tension, whether that's go with a lower number or say, oh, no, that's fine if you like ordered something and they bring you the wrong thing or whatever. So that's super interesting. Another thing you reminded me of is how you said you kind of just go in not expecting it to work out or not feeling like it has to work out. And there's Mm. kind of that famous phrase about negotiation that he who cares the least wins. Mm. So you can kind of just walk away. It's like, I don't need this to work out for to keep living my life. And it's a very powerful thing. It kind of gives you actual leverage. It's like a mental kind of switch that gives you real leverage in the negotiation yeah i mean i'd never heard that phrase uh about caring less wins but yeah it makes sense and like i mean yeah it's not like i yeah i'm not i don't want to get it you know mixed up because it's not like i don't care i'm not like lying back just be like ah whatever i mean yeah like i want it to happen but it's more just like i think the the whole thing is like i can handle it if it doesn't happen and yeah, I mean, obviously, sometimes negotiations are harder and you don't have so much um, leverage. But um, yeah, basically, yeah, being able to handle it if, if it doesn't go ahead uh, according to plan is like, is a good thing. Yeah, for sure. I'm curious a little bit more tangibly now. So talking a little bit about mindset, but I want to get into tactics a little bit. I'm curious if you can share some of the tactics that you use. I'm thinking specifically of I heard you I think speak with Cortland Allen about three two one. So I'm curious if you can share one or two of those kind of frameworks or tactics that you use more commonly. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um yeah, I'd say like I guess for one thing for doing an email, it's always good to like end with the you know, the call to action, like the question, like um, do you want to, like, are you interested? Do you want to get on call? Um, you know, something like that, rather than, I guess a lot of people in the sales might be, you know, let's say for like, um, yeah, let's say for like a cold email. So I do quite a lot of these for, you know, sponsorship for my newsletter for no CS3. So I guess like a bad one might be like, you know, hey, I've got this like slot in my newsletter that goes to X amount of people and then just like, you know, thanks, Pete. And that's not really like, you know, not really leading anyone anywhere. Whereas if I was like, hey, I've got, you know, space in my newsletter, it's got 3,000 developers on it. Um, Can we, you know, would you be interested, question mark? You know, that's just, it's a really simple difference, but it it's leading them into somewhere like, oh, am I interested or not? Um, so I think like leaving 
ending a like an email with a clear ask. And I think also like one ask per email is probably good. You know, not multiple yeah. things. You, I guess, I guess just like a landing page. You know, most landing pages on a website. You know, Netflix. You know, if you go on Netflix, they just want you to sign up and try it. They don't want you to do like four different things. Um, so I think that'd be really good. And I think, um, yeah, let's see what else. Um, I guess in terms of like, um, guess just for bootstrappers, like know your worth. Don't, you I mean, you have to have a reason, obviously, but don't price yourself um, too cheaply. And, you know, I guess it's like a pretty standard thing. But if you know, if you want, you know, $200 or something, start with 250 and then they might talk you down or something. But don't um, don't be afraid to ask as well for a big number. And I guess, especially if you're dealing with, if you're doing sales and you're talking to a company that makes like, you know, a million dollars a year, they're going to have like a big budget. And actually pricing yourself too cheaply can be bad because it's that thing of, well, it can't be very good if you're only charging that much. If you see what I mean, whereas right. if you can just if you can justify it, you know, if I don't know, if you're if someone's if you're trying to like sell to a company that say makes a million dollars a year, and you've got like you know something a SaaS that you want to get them using, if you're like, hey, it's only five dollars a month, well, you know, they make eighty grand a month. They don't care if it's five bucks or a hundred bucks or whatever, as long as it does the job. So I think like, you know, there's that thing in SaaS or business by always raising prices. So mm-hmm. yeah, don't don't like price yourself like too low. You can be, you know, as long as you can justify that you've got a good products, you can uh, you know, give yourself a decent uh figure to start negotiating with. Yeah, for sure. Very good point, I think, about kind of a cheap price giving a little bit of hesitation or doubt kind of like price is an indicator of quality. So I think that's definitely helpful. And of course there's the patio 11 thing of raised prices. So yeah, like you said, you can always start high and come down. So I think that's just super helpful for people to hear. And even if people aren't selling newsletter ads or whatever, I think, you know, like you said, there's negotiation in everyday life and Surely people that are listening at some point are going to be negotiating a job offer, something similar. And I think those principles apply throughout. So that's really helpful. Um, I'm curious, kind of changing gears again, a little bit about lifestyle is one thing I wanted to hit. So you mentioned that you're kind of simplifying things a little bit. And like you said, you kind of have a portfolio of things, but one thing starts to take off and you start to focus on that. I guess I'm just curious at this point. Uh, how much are you working on a week by week basis? Do you have any sense of of what you're spending time wise? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I probably I probably don't work more than a forty hour a week. Um, and yeah, it really it really depends. I mean, I guess it's the way that, like, for instance, we kind of know each other through Twitter. And mm-hmm. I really like Twitter. So some other people might see that as work. If I'm like, you know, in my evenings, I'm scrolling through Twitter or I'm like, you know, listening to podcasts so I can stay informed. So, you know, is that work? Is it not? It kind of depends. But I mean, 
I think definitely um, I had the weekends off and, you know, I did tons. I'm really into running, did tons of running with friends and that's really good. And, you know, great to get out of the house. And I think burnout is like a really big problem for um, founders. Um, so, yeah, I would definitely like I'm not saying I never work weekends because sometimes I do. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say definitely um, it's a fairly like 40 hour a weekish have weekends free, you know, want to have a life outside of doing things like j- going to the gym or going running and seeing friends and stuff. So I think as well, I also get a lot of it's this weird thing where if you go for a walk and you're like, oh, I'm going to take a break, that's usually when you'll get good ideas. You won't, mm-hmm. or I guess the same with coding. You know, I know I see this all the time on Twitter where people are like, oh, I was really stuck on a problem. And then I, you know, went to bed and in the morning I fixed it straight away. So, you know, yeah, give your, give your brain time to relax, go for a run, go to the gym or whatever. And then you're going to be like a lot healthier. And, you know, startups are, you know, marathon. It's, it's not sprint. So you got to pace yourself accordingly. Yeah, for sure. And I that's definitely a lot more appealing to me is kind of like, like you said, pace yourself, have a more calm life over the long term, uh, optimize for longevity rather than kind of going crazy. On that note, I'm curious, do you have kind of a vision of where you'd like to go? Or are you mostly content with how things are and the idea is just to keep things growing, but it doesn't necessarily have to be at a certain rate? Like, are you kind of happy where you are like how do you think about that yeah that's a good question um i would like to um build no sets screen more i think um it's really great over the weekend to get like a email from uh, a developer a woman in ireland to find a job through the job board so if you go on the no CS screen website there's like a jobs portal and you can go there all the jobs have been like selected by me so they're uh you can apply for them if you're self-taught or bootcamp uh educated uh so i'd really like to develop that side of it because to be honest the you know the b2b market is really lucrative and people will spend a lot of money you know companies spend a lot of money on hiring and also i think that also for the people using the website as well i think that's the biggest impacts that i can have on them you know is that you know people want to get a job at the end of the day so i think i want to spend more time on the job board i want to get more companies uh using that i've got some meetings this week with um companies that can hopefully get using it and i think that would be that would have like the biggest impact uh for people and i think as well just you know growing the brand, growing awareness and coming on podcasts like this and getting more people to find out about Nostia's Street because it is really, um, I think, going to be a great skill for people to have uh, in the next you know, few decades to come. You can definitely like change your life position and um, probably retire a lot earlier if you can like right. get a developer salary. And I think as mm-hmm. well, just, you know, as we know from the COVID situation, like I'm very lucky because I work for myself, but you know, lots of people have been like forced back into 
you know, offices or they've been, or, you know, if they, you work in retail, you're like really overexposed to COVID compared to like actually lots of other jobs that you can do from home. So, you know, coding has got a lot for it. You know, you can do it from home. It's well-paid, intellectually stimulating. Um, so yeah, there's uh, lots of reasons for me to get the word out more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's super inspiring. I'm glad that you decided to get started on this whole thing. I'm curious, just randomly, since you mentioned the job board, have you seen increased growth since you decided to kind of have the job board and the bootcamp index all under the NoCS degree umbrella? Um, yeah, yeah. So just to give your listeners some context, um, basically, I started out with NoCSDegree.com. That was like, you know, the interviews with people where I share stories. Um, and then a little bit after that, I made a separate website, which was for the same audience, but this was like a job board. And then I made another website, which was, uh, you know, a list of good boot camps to apply for. But what I should have done is put them all under the same domain. And if we can get into like search engine optimization for like a quick second, like SEO, basically, mm -hmm. if you've got three three websites like I had in the same area it's pretty dumb <laughs> to put them to have them on all different you know dot coms because essentially mm -hmm. Google doesn't know that I run them all so in Google's eyes these are websites that are competing with each other um, yeah. and basically the way part of the way that a website get does better at ranking in Google so you can find it is you know, things like do other websites link to it. So if I've got kind of three different things, I have to do kind of three times the work basically. And, you know, one, you know, website A might link to my job board, but it doesn't link to no CS degree or vice versa. So I've been in the process recently of like combining them all under the no CS degree.com umbrella, way better for SEO. So yeah, for anyone listening, if you've got like, say, you know, two different websites that are in similar areas, my advice would be to combine them under one like really strong domain instead of like, you know, doubling or tripling your work, basically. Yeah, that makes sense. So you're not like cannibalizing your own traffic with similar products. So yeah, that totally makes sense. Another random question, Portugal... It's very hot right now for startup people. I saw that you went to a meetup there. Number one, how'd you find it? And I guess I'm also curious, any thoughts of going and kind of maybe living there for a little while with other indie hacker type people? Like, what are your thoughts on the whole Portugal thing? Yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. Um, yeah, basically, um, so I have to give a shout out to Charlie Ward, who runs this like indie beers meetup in London, in the UK. Uh, and basically what happened was there's this company that's doing really well at the moment, uh, Veed, which was uh, basically a bootstrap startup, which was doing uh, something about like 7 million annual revenue around that. And they've raised uh, capital, venture capital now. But basically the founder of that, Saba, who I'm friends with, like he moved to Lisbon for like a month or two. And as a joke, he kind of said to Charlie, who organizes this London meetup, 
oh, why don't you do the next meetup in Lisbon? And Tyler was like, yeah, that sounds great. You know, better than kind of miserable UK in February. So we'll go to Lisbon. Um, and then, yeah, Sab invited me. And then I think he invited me on the Monday and it was due to start. The meetup was supposed to do due to start on the Wednesday. So it's just like, yeah, cool. I was just feeling um, like adventurous. So I booked it. So two days later, I was there. Um, so yeah, we had a great time co-working together. I met loads of other uh, developers and founders from the kind of London scene. And yeah, Lisbon is full of indie hackers at the moment. There's loads of founders on Twitter when I said that I was there. They were either like, you know, oh, I just left or, oh, I'll be there in a few weeks or, yeah. and actually some people, the cool thing with the whole digital, digital nomad thing is there's realistically, most people kind of go to think places like Bali, Thailand, um, you know, Lisbon, Medellin and Colombia, and maybe like, you know, uh, a few places, other places in Central Europe. So I actually um i told my friends that i was going there a developer that i'd met at a different co-working digital nomad place in bulgaria he was like oh i'm in town as well so i met up with him so yeah lisbon's very cool there's lots of people there right now it is a very kind of trendy scene and you can get a coffee for like a euro 50 which is i don't know what it is in dollars but it's probably like one or two dollars for like a really nice coffee and it's a beautiful city and yeah it's really great as to would i live there um i think i'm i i really love edinburgh where i live it's really pretty there's like i live basically five seconds away from a huge park which has a kind of extinct volcano in it called arthur's Uh peak which you can you know you can climb up and yeah it's a it's a really cool city i'm about to go uh out with my running club in a few hours time so i really like it here but i think my ideal situation would be um like you know have a few because i work for myself i can like take vacations when i want so i think the ideal thing would be like oh i can go abroad to different places you know for a few months so i might go somewhere in the summer in kind of july august time probably not lisbon because it'll be quite hot then but somewhere else and then i might um you know go somewhere for a month in winter and just basically have that flexibility of having um edinburgh as my home base but you know like you know if a friend the cool thing of working for yourself is you don't ask have to ask someone like oh can i get time off and blah 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 and justify it if your friends are, you know, it's very nice that, like, my friends were in Lisbon, so I can just be like, oh, yeah, I can just go at a moment's notice. So that's the kind of lifestyle, I guess, I like to have. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I'm thinking of doing something similar. Unfortunately, I don't have Portugal right next door to me, but uh, some cool options kind of on this side of the globe as well. Um, so that all sounds very cool. Uh, Pete? This has been great. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm curious before we wrap up, if you could give one piece of advice to the audience in order to develop themselves for anyone looking to develop themselves and also uh, plug anything you'd like and let the audience know where to find you. Yeah, no worries. Um, I guess the main thing, like I guess 
we've been talking a lot about having a growth mindset. And I think a really good thing is just challenge yourself to get out of your comfort zone regularly and do that as a kind of could be like, you know, like at the weekend, I just got a personal best for like running a 5K. And once you notice those things in one area of your life, you kind of think, oh, well, I could probably make more revenue this month. And then that means, oh, I could probably do X, Y, and Z. So I think definitely getting out of your comfort zone is like that. That is where the magic happens. It's a bit cliche, but it's true. Um, And um, sorry, what was the second question? Oh, yeah. Just uh, where people can find you and any place you'd like to direct the audience to. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, check out nocs3.com. It's got about over 150 stories of people from all kind of backgrounds um, about how they've learned to code without a computer science degree. And they have either, you know, are working for themselves or working for really cool companies. We've got lots of people that have gone, done really well on that website. Um, and check out the job board if you're looking for a job and you can find loads of my other projects on in my twitter bio probably easiest place to go so it's uh, pete codes on twitter and my personal website is also uh, petecodes.io and uh, yeah that about wraps it up but yeah thanks a lot for having me on the podcast it's been Really cool. This is kind of my favorite thing to talk about, mindset and coding. So thanks for having me here. Yeah, absolutely. I think you bring a lot of really great stuff to the table. So thanks so much for coming on. And uh, for the audience, check out everything Pete mentioned. You'll find a lot of value there. And we will see you in the next one. Okay, fantastic. Thank you. That's all for today. Thanks so much to Pete for coming on. A quick reminder, my co-host Aaron has a free online cohort-based JavaScript course called Dev30, and a new cohort is kicking off on April 25th, and this is going to be the last cohort that's free. So if you're interested at all in this, then go ahead and go to dev30.xyz, that's dev30.xyz, to go ahead and sign up for this course and take advantage of this opportunity. Aaron's online code school, Parsity, is also in the show notes, that's at parsity.io. Also, a quick plug before you go for my YouTube channel. That's at youtube.com slash Peter Elbaum, where I talk about software engineering and self-employment and a lot of similar topics that we end up discussing on this show. So if that at all sounds interesting, then check that out in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you in the next one.